Hey, I'll be right with you. Perfect. Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the last week of the Philip DeFranco Show for the year 2021. And don't worry, after that, I'll only be gone for about a month. And you know, nothing bad ever happens while I'm gone. Nope, it's always so chill. But hey, let's end the year in stride. Hit that like button if you want me to punch you in the throat and let's just jump into it. And y'all, the first thing that we're gonna talk about today, let's get in the Christmas spirit and talk about Better.com and its CEO, Vishal Garg. With both of them in the news right now because of this now viral TikTok where we see Vishal in what appears to be a Zoom call with around 900 employees and this happens. I've, this is the second time in my career I'm doing this and I do not, do not wanna do this. The last time I did it, I cried. Um, this time I hope to be stronger, but we are laying off about 15% of the company for <laughs> reasons. The market, efficiency, and performances, and productivity. If you're on this call, you are part of the unlucky group. you, dude. That is being laid off. And reportedly, the 900 people who were just fired weren't so much sad that they lost their jobs, but rather more impressive, Vishal didn't cry this time. He didn't need to use any of those dollar bills from his $25 million bonus last year to wipe away tears. Now, notably, in addition to the clip I just shared, you had Vishal saying, you know, the market is changing. We need to move along with it in order to survive. But after this video went viral and people started looking into the story, they went, wait, wait, what do you mean the market's changing? Reportedly, better right now, they're positioning to go public and they just got, I mean, literally last week, 750 million new dollars from investors. So apparently, of Vishal who doesn't want to do this, especially because he doesn't want to cry. Good people asking, why is he firing all these people before Christmas? And actually, it appears that we got an answer though from uh, an unlikely place. And that's because according to Fortune, Vishal posted a series of anonymous messages on a professional network days after he fired all these people. Writing and claiming at least 250 of the people terminated were working an average of two hours a day while clocking eight hours plus a day in the payroll system. And with that, accusing them of stealing from you and stealing from our customers. With Fortune reporting that Vishal confirmed that he made those comments. Also reportedly telling Fortune, I think they could have been phrased differently, but honestly, the sentiment is there. The people also sharing a number of other alleged comments that he's left in the past, uh, kind of aggressive. Right, so ultimately, following all of this, you had some defending Vishal, saying, hey, we don't know what it's like to be a CEO. We don't know if his claims about the employees are true. We don't know what the performance of these 900 were. But overall and in general, people were like, fuck this guy. He's a clown. He's a corporate monster that once again proves that you don't care about the employees. You care about the bottom line. He has the gall to somehow make this about him and how hard it is for him. But 900 plus people are now not gonna have jobs going into the holidays. Ultimately, where I wanna end this story is asking you, what camp do you land in? Are you defending Vishal or are you in the fuck Vishal camp? Maybe you're somewhere in between. Either way, let me know what you're thinking and why in those comments down below. And then let's talk about a controversy that I really don't think should be a controversy. And what I'm talking about is the luxury brand Chanel being bombarded with hate and criticism over the past few days after people on TikTok began unboxing its $825 advent calendar. With one of the most notable people going viral for these videos about the calendar being Elise Harmon. In the video, she shows off the exterior pack before discovering things inside like stickers, stickers, and more stickers, along with an empty dust bag, flip book, a magnet, a really cheap looking bracelet, and more disappointing items. Though there were also boxes inside that had lipstick, nail polish, and a perfume bottle, but still people were quick to comment, what the fuck is this? How are they justifying the price here? Some people calling it the fire festival of advent calendars, saying that it looked like Chanel just included random samples and junk they had lying around, but then the whole situation got even more viral because Elise posted this. Hey, um, I just wanted to check in and let everyone know um, Chanel just blocked me. 
They blocked me. What's not clicking, Chanel? Something's wrong. With her later saying that Chanel ended up deleting its TikTok account entirely. That said, the brand claims it has not blocked her and it's not active on TikTok, saying that its page appears empty to anyone who visits. So now you have people saying it's possible Elise either lied, was confused, or maybe duped by an account someone else made. Either way, people online are still running around with this idea that Chanel was mocked off of the platform. But here's what I want to say, and this is not me defending Chanel. A lot of these fucking brands, it's just cheap, cheap bullshit, and you're just feeding into the branding. Right, but as Chanel has now noted it's actually been very transparent about what's in its advent calendar. Like literally on their site detailing every product that's in this. It's not meant to be a surprise for you, but rather a surprise for the person that you're buying it for. That said, a number of people are like, well, the price is still not justified. Yeah, no shit. But also understand the margins for companies like Chanel are massive. It's You're never getting a real value. Products like this, from companies like this, it's all a weird exclusionary flex. Like the margins on cosmetics and a bunch of the stuff featured in this, Massive. But even looking at something that normally has a lesser margin like clothes, you have people that are gonna buy a $500 shirt that has a specific logo on it, even though it is usually the same quality of something that was 20, 40, or $65. Why? Because there's a lot of hype, fear of missing out. You think that it says something about you. Hell, even in our creator space, we did some research to see, you know, the quality of products and our space. We found that some places literally use the exact same hoodie that we use for our $65 hoodie and charged $120. And I don't think those creators are ripping anyone off because the price of something is what people are willing to pay. And in the case of this Chanel advent calendar, unless you're just kind of willy-nilly throwing around $825, I don't think you got bamboozled. You, you have buyer's remorse. And honestly, you should. And it brings me a little weird joy. Like, I'm not gonna go full Seth Rogen and be like, hey, if you get robbed, you get robbed. But when you willingly overpay for something because of the brand name, I'm not gonna feel sorry for you. A fool is easily separated from their money. Though, to be abundantly clear, when I say a fool, I'm not talking about a lease. Harmon at least turned an $825 advent calendar into tens of millions of views. Unlike most everyone else who bought this, she got a bargain of a lifetime. Then in entertainment news, it's almost that time of year again where a bunch of people who hate Jake Paul buy a pay-per-view that benefits Jake Paul in the hopes of seeing him get knocked out. But now a last minute change of events, right? He's been set to fight Tommy Fury, but following reports that Tommy was injured, Tommy released a statement saying he was heartbroken after having to withdraw, but he had a bacterial chest infection and broken rib. And so as far as what's happening, Happening this morning, Jake addressed the news on Instagram saying that not only had Tommy dropped out, but Tyron Woodley would be replacing him for a rematch. With Jake writing, when my team woke me up on Friday to tell me Tommy Fumbles was pulling out, I told them I'll fight anyone on December 18th. Troy, Trey, Trevor, Travis, I don't give a fuck who it is. Tommy's pulling out because of a quote, medical condition called vaginitis. Unlike the Furies, Tyron actually has some balls, is stepping in and contractually is getting an extra $500,000 if he knocks me out. First time I outboxed him, this time I'm gonna punish him and leave no doubt. Or because as you might remember, over the summer, Jake beat Tyron in a split decision match. Following that in hopes of getting a rematch, Tyron actually got Jake Paul's name tattooed on him. And so we'll have to wait till December 18th to see what actually happens. But I, uh, I do wonder if Tyron Woodley can get some sort of redemption or if he's gonna lose and or get knocked out by a guy who he literally had to tattoo their name on his body. It's so weird and messy and I'm kinda here for it. And from that, I wanna take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, nordvpn.com slash phil. You know, with holiday travel upon us for many, I wanna take this time to remind you how NordVPN can put you at ease. With NordVPN, all of your internet data is protected behind a wall of next generation encryption and NordVPN servers are ultra fast. So there's no sacrificing speed for security. With Nord, you get both. Many of you have airports, train station, crowds of people in your 
holiday future, and you don't want to take a chance using public servers. And the same goes for where you stay once you arrive at your destination. And with Nord, I'm always protected. And with their strict no logs policy, they don't track, collect, or share your private data. Plus, just one account lets you connect and secure up to six devices in any combination so you can protect yourself and a loved one or two. So with that, you might want to make NordVPN a part of your online security plan for extra safety. Head on over to nordvpn.com right now and you'll get a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free additional month. So what are you waiting for? That's nordvpn.com slash Phil. Then, y'all, let's talk about this news around Latinx. Let me just preface this by saying I will call you whatever you want me to call you. Just let me know. I don't care if it's racial, gender, maybe you got a praise or a degradation kink. I am here to please. But that said, Latinx has been incredibly controversial because there's been this big question of who actually wants to be called Latinx? And as we've been talking about for a little while now, it's become more and more apparent that uh, no one asked the Hispanic community what they actually want to be called. Because uh, according to a new nationwide poll of Hispanic voters, only 2% of those polled refer to themselves as Latinx, while 68% of them call themselves Hispanic and 21% favored Latino or Latina. And in fact, according to this poll, 40% said Latinx bothers or offends them to some degree, and 30% said they would be less likely to support a politician or organization that uses the term. And as several Spanish-speaking friends have pointed out in the past, Latinx is very likely just some white people shit. Noting, like Politico did, though using different words, Spanish words do not end with the letter X, which is pronounced equis. Some Spanish speakers argue it's tricky to know how to pronounce Latinx in their native tongue. Yeah, main thing, that's the story. Now you know. Moving on. And then let's talk about over the weekend, CNN announcing that it was firing anchor Chris Cuomo effective immediately. We've been covering this story for about a week. It began Monday when New York's attorney general released documents indicating that Cuomo was far more involved than previously known in helping defend his brother, former governor Andrew Cuomo, against sexual misconduct allegations. Among that, the documents allege Chris Cuomo offered to draft PR statements for his brother, that he used media sources and other journalists to look into the women who had accused his brother of sexual misconduct, and that he even kept tabs on other reporters who were working on pieces about his brother. And because of those allegations, CNN suspended Cuomo pending a review of his conduct with it, then later terminating him on Saturday with a statement, saying while in the process of that review, additional information has come to light. And adding, despite the termination, we will investigate as appropriate. And a few hours later, the New York Times gave us more insight into what that additional information was, reporting that on Wednesday, a prominent employment lawyer informed CNN of a client with an allegation of sexual misconduct against Chris Cuomo. Also reporting that by Friday, the lawyer was in talk with CNN to provide evidence and make her client available for an interview with the network's outside counsel. Now, as far as what Cuomo himself has said, on Saturday, he issued a statement reading, this is not how I want my time at CNN to end. Cuomo then following up today and calling that end hard. Also adding, while I have a thick skin, I also have a family for whom the past week has been extraordinarily difficult. And so with that, going on to say that he's taking a step back and announcing that he'll no longer be hosting a Sirius XM radio show. And following the new sexual misconduct allegation, a spokesperson for him said, these apparently anonymous allegations are not true. If the goal in making these false and unvetted accusations was to see Mr. Cuomo punished by CNN, that may explain his unwarranted termination. And ultimately, that is where we are with this story right now. We're gonna have to wait to see what else comes from this investigation, if we learn about it. Also, will we learn who the accuser is? Also, what the specific accusations are? While we wait regarding that aspect of the story, I do have a question regarding the other part. What are your thoughts regarding Chris Cuomo helping his brother the way that he did, using his position like he did? And are you happy with the actions that CNN took here? Because the actions of Chris Cuomo really do strike at the idea of journalistic integrity. And then let's definitely talk about some major updates from this weekend around the Michigan school shooting that left four dead and seven others injured. And specifically, the updates are around the suspect 
suspect's parents. Right, and that's because on Friday, the prosecutors in Michigan took a very rare step of charging the parents of the 15-year-old shooter who carried out the mass shooting at Oxford High School with four counts each of involuntary manslaughter, one for each student that was killed. With Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald arguing in a press conference on Friday that the boy's parents were culpable in the most deadly school shooting this year because they allowed their son access to the murder weapon and actively ignored obvious warnings that he was considering violence. During that briefing, prosecutors said that the shooter's father had purchased the gun used in the shooting four days before as an early Christmas gift for his teenage son and kept it, quote, unlocked in a drawer in the parents' bedroom. With McDonald claiming that the shooter had total access to this weapon and that the parents didn't secure the gun and they allowed him free access to it. Though, lawyers for the parents have disputed that, claiming that the gun was in fact locked. But still, prosecutors noted that there were a number of incredibly alarming warning signs that the suspect's parents ignored. Noting that after the gun was purchased, authorities at Oxford raised concerns about the shooter's behavior twice, once the day before the attack, and again, literally just hours prior in an incident that required a meeting with the parents. While we briefly mentioned that last week, we've now gotten more details and they are incredibly alarming. According to prosecutors, the day before the shooting, a teacher saw him searching for ammunition on his phone. School officials then called his parents who did not respond, but his mother later texted her son, lol, I'm not mad at you, you have to learn not to get caught. And then, the next day, another teacher found a drawing of a gun on the shooter's desk with images of a gun, a person who was shot, a laughing emoji, and the words, blood everywhere, the thoughts won't stop, help me. That drawing prompting a meeting with the boy's parents, but prosecutors said that they refused to take their son home and didn't ask him about the gun and did not inform the school that they had purchased one for him. Yet, according to prosecutors, a few hours later when the news of the shooting broke, the suspect's parents were quick to believe that it was their son. His mother allegedly texting him, don't do it, and his father calling the police to inform them that a weapon was missing from their house and that his son could be the gunman. So with all that, you had prosecutors arguing that the parents are clearly culpable here. A claim that some argue was bolstered when the two parents appeared to flee after the charges against them were announced. For a few hours after the announcement, authorities said the police were searching for the parents who were scheduled to be arraigned that day, but had stopped communicating with their attorneys. A massive manhunt for the fugitives then ensued, including sheriff's deputies, Detroit police, U.S. marshals, FBI officers, and even U.S. Border Patrol, with police saying they then found them at 1 a.m. on Saturday when they found the couple hiding in a warehouse building in Detroit, about 40 miles from where they live, after someone tipped off police that their vehicle was nearby. Now, notably here, lawyers for the couple disputed that they were hiding, claiming that they believed that their arraignment was on Saturday morning and had planned to attend, blaming this on a miscommunication with the prosecutor's office. But law enforcement officials and prosecutors were skeptical of that claim, with Oakland County Sheriff Michael Bouchard saying, I think where they were and how they were seems to support the position they were hiding and they weren't looking for surrendering at that point. That was also echoed by McDonald, the prosecutor who noted that the two also withdrew thousands of dollars in cash from an ATM, which she cited as part of the reason why they should be held on a high bond of $500,000 each, saying they sought multiple attempts to hide their location and were eventually tracked down after they parked their car somewhere a witness saw it. And adding, these two individuals were found locked somewhere in a room hiding. These are not people we can be assured will return to court on their own. During that arraignment Saturday, both parents pleaded not guilty to the charges against them, a judge agreeing to that bond. Currently, the couple will be held in the same jail that their son is in, though of course they're being kept separate. All three have also been placed on suicide watch, though officials say they passed initial mental health screenings. And as far as what happens next, you have the two parents facing up to 15 years of convicted on the charges. Meanwhile, their son faces two dozen charges, including terrorism. But ultimately, that is where we are right now. And, and this is potentially massive, because in addition to the prosecution of the shooter, as gun experts have noted, McDonald's move to charge the parents of a mass shooting suspect is almost unheard of. And if successful, it has the potential to set a massive precedent. You know, ultimately with this story, like many others, I was interested to know your thoughts. And so I put out a poll on the YouTube community page and asked, do you support the Michigan shooter's parents being charged with involuntary manslaughter? And we found 94% of y'all think they should be charged with top comments that include it. Buys a gun as a gift for their son, knowing that he has thoughts of harming others. Great idea. As well as punish bad parenting. We all need to be held accountable for what we do. It's gross negligence. And 
And right to bear arms comes with a caveat. A caveat is responsibility. But also that's just a portion of the audience. So whether you agree, you disagree with the group, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. But ultimately that is where this story and today's show ends. Of course, whether it be this final story, the first one, anything in between, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. But of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.